And uh, speaking of life hacks, we need some life hacks in 2020. We need some things that God will continue to speak to us. Pastor Aaron started this, this series at the beginning of July, and we've been in the book of Proverbs. So if you grab your Bible, go ahead and open up your Bible to the book of Proverbs, or maybe it's on your phone. I can understand that as well. Uh, maybe you're at home right now. Uh, don't do it on your phone. Do it in your book so that you can continue to watch. Uh, but we need some life hacks. And as a church, what we've been doing is we've been walking through uh, some of the Proverbs just to look at this book of wisdom, as it's called. Uh, but as we're thinking about some life hacks, I wanted to show you a couple that I thought were, were pretty, pretty smart, pretty intelligent. I want to show you the first one here. Uh, this says, I was today years old when I realized the flap on your fries box actually has a purpose. Did anybody else know that? Be honest. Yeah, I didn't know that. I did not know that until today. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to try that out. It gives me a good reason to go to McDonald's. <laughs> All right, let's try the next one. See, look at that. You get, you get hungry for a snack while you're at work? Let me just tell you, if, if I live like that, I'm going to need a bigger sweatshirt as the, as the days go on. Or maybe this, this last one here. Sink full of dirty dishes, visitors imminent. Put some clean dishes in the dish rack. Now it looks like you're working on it. That's pretty smart, right? Like, like I'm kind of, I'm moving in the right direction, right? But let's be honest, all of us need some life hacks. I, I just, even in, in the book of Proverbs, as I read this book, and many of you have been trekking with us uh, from the beginning of July. There's 31 days in July. There's 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. And so I want to encourage you, even if you haven't been keeping up with us or you missed a day, today's July 19th. Do it today. Start today. Even one of the scriptures that I'm using today is, is out of my own devotion from Proverbs chapter 19. And so we want to encourage you to do that. Now, Pastor Aaron started this series with talking about being wise, because that's what the book of Proverbs is about. He talked about being wise in our words. He also talked about being wise in our ways. And now he has asked me to preach about being wise in our work. Thanks a lot, Pastor Aaron. <laughs> in the middle of a pandemic, when he told me that, he told me that, I'm like, we're in the middle of a pandemic, half the people aren't working, and people are on unemployment. Pastor Aaron, really, is this, if you're on right now, is this really what you've called me to preach? But as with anything, as I dig into the Proverbs, and I dig into the Word of God, there are some Holy Spirit zingers in there. I'll tell you what, I'll read some of those, and I'll be like, whoa, that hit me. So just know right now, I am with you. As I share out of the word today, it has been convicting me just as much as I hope that it convicts you. Now, when we think about work, we think about our vocation, we think about our job, and, and honestly, that's really the primary thing I want to share with you, but, but even if you're in sixth grade or you're retired, you can still see the biblical principles of work. And even when Pastor Aaron shared that with me, you know what? These things are still true even in the middle of a pandemic. Because that's how God's truth works. Just because circumstances change does not mean that God's truth changes. Like, for example, this book is bookended with work. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. The Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Let me just tell you, this is before the curse. You mean in the perfect state, in, in Adam was made perfectly in this perfect garden, God had him work in the garden. Work is something good for man and was part of Adam's existence before the fall. Work and duty are, belong to our perfect state. 
You see, work existed before the fall, and it will exist beyond the grave. Did you know that? Last chapter, Revelation 22. Right at the end of the book, it says this, no longer will there be any curse. Okay, so the curse has been lifted. No longer is there going to be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. You mean there's work in heaven? Yes, there's work in heaven. In the, in the original Eden and in the new Eden, there is going to be work. A lot of you are like checking out now. It's like, great. <laughs> what was salvation all about? Like, I got a toil in heaven too? No, no, it was made perfect. It was made perfect. See, what the curse did is it caused work to be tedious, tiring, frustrating. How many can say amen to that? Right? I don't need Chase to yell, yell amen for that one, right? Because that is true. That is true. You see, we were made in the image of God. God is always working. See, John chapter 5, verse 17, my father, Jesus is saying this, my father is always working. I, too, am working. Jesus said, my father in heaven is always working, and I'm working, too. And if Jesus is working, we better be working as well. And I, I, I told my wife, I got so many scripture verses. There's so much. Like as you begin to unpack the word and just see what it says. So I can't share them all with you, but let me just hit a couple here real quick that you've probably heard before. Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Ecclesiastes 9.10, Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all of your might. So listen, you can't separate your work from your worship. I'm going to say that again. You can't separate your work from your worship. It's not possible. It's not biblical. You see, we, we use the term secular, right? Like it's my secular job. And, and you know the term secularism actually started in 1851, it's that recent that that term came up in our environment, and it came up because they wanted to promote a social order that was separate from religion. They wanted to separate church from the state because the church had so much involvement in politics. But let me just tell you that when you as a child of God go into your workplace, that place is no longer secular. You're in it. <laughs> You're in it. And so I want to share with you three things. This is going to be a very practical message. This is going to be very practical. And so if you have a notebook, I would encourage you, take out a notebook. If you have a phone, take out your phone. Because like I said, these things convicted me personally. And the very first thing I want to talk to you about, very first thing, has to be number one on the list, is this, responsibility. I knew I wouldn't get any amens with that. <laughs> responsibility. See, when we open up the book of Proverbs, if we open up to Proverbs chapter 26, all throughout the book of Proverbs, there's this word that it uses, at least in the, uh, in the NIV translation, it talks about a sluggard, <laughs> a sluggard, a lazy person, okay, constantly. I don't have time to go through all the scripture verses that talk about a sluggard, somebody who's lazy, but just listen to this. Chapter 26, verse 13 a sluggard says, there's a lion in the road, a fierce lion roaming the streets. As a door turns on its hinges, so a sluggard turns on his bed. 
A sluggard, listen to this, a sluggard buries his hand into the dish. He's too lazy to bring it back to his mouth. <laughs> I just pictured like somebody watching a football game, right? Like just like sticking their hand in the chip bag and going, like trying to get it back to their mouth. You know, he's too lazy to bring it back to his mouth. And then the last one, a sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven people who answer discreetly. Responsibility. You see, work is part of the fabric of creation, part of who we are. We're called to be responsible. Now, there's four subparts to that. If we, if we take those verses, I can give you a really clear way of knowing, am I lazy? <laughs> Maybe some of you are like, oh, I got it already. Like, like trust me, I, I get lazy. I got comfy pants that I wear. They're like, my comfy pants. I put those things on and I'm gone. I'm out. You don't you don't mess with me. My son has gotten to the point where he's like, dad, can we put on our comfy pants? Yes, great. Let's put our comfy pants on. We sit on that spot on the couch and it's done, right? All of us like to be a little lazy, but, but here's the four things I pull out of those four verses. Number one, we find excuses. There's a lion in the road. There's a fierce lion in the road. There's something in the way. There's always something in the way for somebody who's lazy. There's always an excuse. Trust me, in life, there is always an excuse. There's always an excuse for not having faith. There's always an excuse. You, you avoid work. Number two, you do a lot of moving, but you go nowhere. As a door like swings on the hinges, it's like a person laying in their bed. Like They move a lot. They do a lot of things, but they're not doing much of anything, right? And, and, and that's a good indicator if you're being lazy. Number three, not using what God has given you. I know I joke around about putting your hand in the chip bag and, and, and pulling that out, but, but that's a picture of like God has given us provision. God has given us things, and we're not using what God has given us. Again, look at Moses. I mean, he's making the excuse. I, 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 I stutter. I, I, I can't speak for He said, well, what's in your hand? He said, a, 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 a staff. Well, let's use that. And so are you using what God has given you? Are you being responsible with what God has given you? And number four, pride and entitlement. The last one said, a sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven people who answer discreetly. Pride, it wells up in all of us. And arrogance, like, like they're always talking about what they could do or what they what's possible, what they could do, but they never actually are doing much of anything. Listen, we can be certain that God is never apathetic. If there's apathy involved, it's on our side. And I need you guys to understand this. Prayer is not a substitute for obedience. I've had many people, even this week, I've had many people that, that say, Pastor Chris, can you pray for me? I said, certainly, but I don't need to pray about that because I already know what it says. I already know what the word says. I already know, like God has already given you a direction and, and maybe they're finding excuses or maybe they're not using what's in their hand or, or maybe there's some pride that has been welling up. And, but, but you have to realize that prayer is not a substitute for obedience. You walk in the steps that God has called you to. Now, should we pray continually? Yes, the word says that. And if you haven't seen an answer to your prayer, continue to pray. But there are times in our lives, you don't need to pray about it. You need to pray about the courage to step and do what God has called you to do. 
And now, I don't want this message to come off like I'm coming down on you or I'm condemning people. Because honestly, as I was opening this up, I, I could feel myself dealing with these things. See, one of the greatest sins among Christians in America today is laziness, being idle and disruptive. Again, I knew I wouldn't get any amens there. <laughs> you guys are like, oh man, the Holy Spirit singers are hitting me. But, but let me just tell you, Paul had to address this with the sec- in 2 Thessalonians with the church in Thessalonica. He was dealing with this. So it's been a problem since the early church. And he says this in 2 Thessalonians verse seven, uh, chapter 3, verse 7. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example. We were not idle when we were with you. Paul is saying, listen, we worked hard when we were with you. He says, nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. On the contrary, we worked night and day, laboring and toiling so that we would not be a burden to any of you. We did this not because we do not have the right to such help, but in order to offer ourselves as a model for you to imitate. For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule. The one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. Paul is telling this church, work. Work. We're we're busy. You're busy doing a lot of things, but you're not working. And Paul even said, like, listen, I have the right out of anybody. Paul had the right to say, just support my ministry. Just support my ministry. and, And I'll just move on from here. He said, no, I gave you an example. I showed you how to work, and you should do that example. Now, let me be very clear, because I think it's really important to pick out this word. It says, those who are unwilling to work, not unable. There are some people who are unable to work, and right now, there are some people who are unable to do things, and that is understandable. That is understandable. See, there's a difference, though, between enabling and empowering. Hear me. There's a difference between enabling and empowering. Sometimes you need to be empowered, and sometimes that means work. <laughs> that means you got to like put, put some effort in to it. He goes on in 2 Thessalonians, and he says it this way. He says, we hear that some of you are idle and disruptive. They are not busy. They are busy bodies. <laughs> that, that reminds me of that verse, like a slugger, like rolling around on the bed. Like, they're busy. They're do- busy doing a lot of nothing right? They've been messing around, and, and he's, he's talking about this church. He says, such people we command and urge in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and earn the food that they eat. He's like, settle down, focus on providing for your needs. And as for you, brothers and sisters, never tire of doing what is good. See, it would solve a lot of problems in the church if the busybodies, the troublemakers, would work with quietness and do something constructive. You know, Paul was talking to this church, and and one of the reasons why they were this way is because of end times. Now, let me me just tell you, I, I hear it. Everybody's talking about end times, right? This pandemic and everything else that's going on, are these the end times? And, and Paul was dealing with the church in Thessalonica about teaching this. See, the problem was the church was busy going like, it's the end times, God's coming back, so I might as well not work. He said, no, 
Get to work. Stop being, stop being a busybody. Stop getting in everybody's business and start to do something to earn a living and continue to move forward. And the best picture that I can, I can think of for this, Dr. George Wood was our superintendent for the Assemblies of God in, in uh, the United States here. And George Wood tells this story. He was a missionary kid with his family in China. And he says this, dad killed one of the hens for our meal. And when he opened it, there was this whole conveyor belt of eggs that were in various stages of development. As a kid, I never knew that there was a development process for eggs. An egg came out, and an egg is an egg. But looking in that hen, I saw that there was tomorrow's egg, and the next day's egg, and the next after that. Years later, I was sitting in a class at Fuller Seminary dealing with Jesus on how to define the kingdom, the tension between the now and the not yet. Suddenly, the memory of that hen came to me. If dad had let that hen live, tomorrow's egg would have developed, and the egg after that. He goes on to say, when the Lord comes, listen to this, when the Lord comes, he's going to see if there were any expectations in our heart, any plans, any dreams, any visions, any works in progress of what he wanted to accomplish. When he opens up the record of our lives, he will not want to see an empty nest. God doesn't want us to just sitting around waiting for his return. We must work until the Lord comes back. Responsibility. We, we, we need to be responsible with what God has taught us, what God has given us, the work in which he has given us. You know what I praise God for? I praise God that this church is a multi-ethnic church. I praise God that this church is a multi-generational church, but I also praise God that this is a multi-vocational church. Listen, you're not all supposed to be a pastor in this moment, okay? No, we have nurses, we have doctors, we have farmers, we have, we have people raising chickens, and, and you know we've got a little bit of everything, and I praise God, that's what the church should look like. You know what? It's not a secular world. We're in the world. We, we can make a difference. You know, I can't help but think of this. Uh, my wife likes watching a show. She was embarrassed that I said this in the first service, and so she's going to be even more embarrassed because now it's online. She watches a show called Dr. Pole. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's this veterinarian. Yeah, the incredible Dr. Pole. This guy is incredible. He's like 75, and he's still a vet, and he works on like big animals. I mean, like cows, and horses. He's worked on like alligators and parakeets and hedgehogs, a little bit of everything. And my wife loves this show. This guy is, he really is incredible. But the problem is she watches this show when we go to sleep at night. So usually she goes back to the bed first and then I can hear her snoring back there. And I hear like pigs squealing. Like it sounds like a farm is happening in our bedroom. Like, like everything's like going crazy in our bedroom. I'm like, what is she doing back there? Nope, Dr. Pole is on. And so I'm, wa I'm watching that show though. And, and he, they make this statement. Dr. Pole always said he would, listen to this, he would die with his hand up the backside of a cow. No joke, what this guy does, no, I'm not, you guys think that's gross? Pastor Ann pulled out a cow tongue last week, okay? Don't mess with me, you know? But, but what he does, and this is incredible, he sticks his hand like up the backside of a cow. He can figure out how many weeks pregnant it is. Yeah, I see a woman testifying right now, right? Like this guy goes like this, he's like four months, you know? 
Four and a half weeks, like just rolling down through the herd. Like, but, but he said that statement. He's like, I'm going to die with my hand up the backside of a cow. Now, I hope that's not how I'm going to die for the record. But I do hope that when God opens up my life, that he will see the expectation. He will see that I'm continuing to move forward in the plan and the purpose that he has for me. Now, I know that there's many mothers out there that are like, well, I I don't have a vocation. I don't have a job. Yes, you do. You have one of the most important jobs there is. Raising our children. And so I, I, I praise God for that. But that's your work. You do it. You do it. You go after it. You, you be responsible with what God has given you. You focus on your task. See, on uh, Wednesday nights, we've been going through the book of Acts. And in the book of Acts, I skipped over this. We're in Acts chapter 20. And I kind of skipped over it Wednesday because I knew that we were, I, I wanted to touch this on Sunday. The Apostle Paul says this in Acts chapter 20. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it's more blessed to give than receive. Paul is saying, I worked hard when I was with you. Let me just tell you, church, never follow a leader that's not willing to put their hand to the plow. Never follow a leader that's not willing to put their hand to the plow and put in the work that is necessary. You see, he he healed people with handkerchiefs and aprons. You know why? Because his sweat was on it. Those were his sweat rags, okay? That's like him like taking off his shirt and being like, okay, let's heal another one, you know what I mean? But but it was off the sweat of his back as he continued to, to work and then he would help the weak then he would minister, then he would work, then he would help the weak, and then he would minister. He would work, he would help the weak, and then he would minister. That's what our lives should look like. Now, I have to touch on this, and I'm not going to stay on a soapbox or anything, but did you hear that Paul said that I have, even though I have the right, we're all about our rights nowadays. It's my right Paul could have claimed a lot of different rights in those moments. I mean, he's in full-time ministry. Come on. Like, just support the guy so he can move on. He said, I had the right to do those things. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, he said, you say I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. You say I have the right to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. You see, if you want to grow in your leadership, and this is for those of you that are in leadership, If you want to grow in your leadership, you're going to have to sacrifice your rights for responsibility. It's what John Maxwell calls the law of sacrifice. You see, the further you rise up and you have more responsibility, you begin to to sacrifice all of your rights. Listen, I have the right to do a lot of things right now, but I have more of a responsibility. A responsibility to do what God has called me to do. Sometimes provision comes in the form of a project. You ever thought about that? Why didn't God just drop the ark on Noah? <laughs> you know, like, boom, there you go, you know, like just drop it out of the sky. No, sometimes provision comes in the form of a project. You know what he gave him? He gave him the things in his hand, and he gave him the trees. 
He said, here's your work. Here's what you are supposed to do. It's important. I thank God that he gave him the, the wisdom and the right abilities to do that. So the first thing was, if you're taking notes, the first thing was responsibility. The second thing, though, the second thing is rest. Rest. Now, you're, you're probably looking at me like, you just told me not to be lazy, <laughs> and, and now you're telling me to rest. Yes, I am. Because laziness and rest are two separate things. Rest brings you to the gas station to later continue the trip. Laziness just turns off the car. Laziness and rest are not the same thing. Laziness looks like rest, but chooses to ignore the work that needs to be done. You see, what's interesting is rest was literally put into the fabric of creation. On the seventh day, it says, God had finished his work that he had been doing, and so he rested from all of his work. Now, let me ask you this question. Do you think God needs to rest? No. He's God. He can literally do anything. He speaks things into existence. I mean, I mean, you can literally just sit there and say everything you want to be done, and it's done. But do you think God needed rest? No. He set an example for us. You see, again, we are image bearers of God. And so we are called to have a rhythm of grace. A rhythm of grace. See, Sabbath, the word Shabbat, actually means to stop. You know what I find crazy, though? Like, in the law, in the books, okay, in Exodus, if you worked on the Sabbath, you were put to death. How many people would still be alive today? <laughs> I mean, like, that, that's, that's intense. Like, why would God do that? Listen, the Sabbath is not some ritualistic, traditional thing that we have to keep up with. No, he was trying to put into the fabric of our environment, into the fabric of society, a day of rest because it's that important. I was reading, it's so funny that I'm re, I was reading this book right as the pandemic hit. I was reading a book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. It's a really good book, really convicting. And it's all about the Sabbath. It's all about simplicity. It's all about bringing it back to the way, because Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life. He shows us the way, how he lived. He would pray on the mountain, come down, do miracles, minister. Pray on the mountain, come down the mountain, you know, pray, do, do miracles. Like he, he had a rhythm of grace, a rhythm of grace in that book. It's just so funny that I read that book and then all of a sudden we all got stuck where we had to stay home. Restfulness. Here's some of the things that come with restfulness. Margin, quiet, deep relationships, enjoyment, clarity, gratitude, contentment, Here's, here's what restlessness brings. Busyness, noise. How many can say amen to all these things? Isolation, envy, greed, discontentment. And you wonder why God did that. It was to give us a picture. You know, in our society, we're all holding up this banner. Look how hard I've worked. And, and I'll be honest with you, as a young man that I am, a lot of my elders have told me, oh, you'll learn one day, like you work like 100-hour weeks, and then, and then you pretty much almost die, and then you'll have to do it again, you know what I mean? Like, no, listen, I know I'm a young whippersnapper, but that's not the life I want. That's not the life we were called to. And just because somebody else has gone through it in the previous generation doesn't mean that's what we're supposed to do. No, we're supposed to do the way, the way. 
that God has showed us. Now, trust me, I am convicted right now in what I'm saying. <laughs> like in my own heart, I'm like, I've been working crazy hard. And we, we have to have a Sabbath. Now, listen, again, our culture is like, well, you work all year long and then you get two weeks vacation. Let me just tell you, two weeks of vacation will not catch you up on the rest that you need. Have you ever, have you ever been there? Like, you've worked so hard just to get to vacation, and you're like, vacation's over, and it's like, man, I don't feel any better. <laughs> I don't feel any better. I don't feel like, because that's not the, the path that God has for us. See, Walter Brueggemann said this, people who keep the Sabbath live all seven days differently. There's just something different that happens. There's this rhythm of grace that you have in your life. So you can't take a vacation and expect everything to suddenly be fixed. When you come back. Carrie Newhoff said it this way, your time off can't save you if the problem is how you spend your time on. I mean, I'm literally looking around the room and I don't care if you're retired. Oftentimes I hear retired people go like, man, I work harder now than I ever did before. You know, kids in school, we're trying to work hard. There's a rhythm of grace, a recognition of the timing of your work. Again, if we look at the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 20, verse 4, sluggards do not plow in season. So at harvest time, they look, but they find nothing. See, knowing when to work is just as important as knowing how to work. Like I told you, you, you take responsibility. You do what God is calling you to do, but knowing when to do what God is calling you to do is also very important. Let me just tell you, just because we're in the middle of a pandemic, just because maybe you're on unemployment or, or your business has gone down or any of those other things, these principles still apply to your life. I love this, and, and I didn't get to share this verse with the first service, so you guys are lucky. You guys are my favorites. No, I'm just kidding. Now, Proverbs chapter 6, verses 6 through 8. I love, I love the pictures that are just given in Proverbs. Solomon just blows our hearts out of the water. <laughs> he says, go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler. Yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at the harvest. It's saying it doesn't have a commander. It doesn't have somebody standing over top of him like, now it's time to work. Come on, let's get moving. Let's start working. No, he knows when to work and he knows when to stop. Knowing when to work is just as important as knowing how to work. Now the third thing, learning and growing. Again, I have so many scripture verses here. I would love to just like blast them all over the place. And so I'll just give you a couple here. Even this one was mine for today. Today's July 19th, Proverbs 19. 1927, stop listening to instruction, my son, and you will stray from the words of knowledge. If you're not learning, you're not growing. Be honest. If you're not learning, you're not growing. I got to sit beside the, the bed of a man who is, is passing away right now from lung cancer. And as I was talking to him, you know, I thought about that. If, if you're not learning, you're not growing. And, and listen, that song said, if there's still breath in my lungs, he is not done with you yet. 
There's still a conversation you can have. There's still a person that you can call. There's still, he just celebrated his 56th wedding anniversary yesterday. But my encouragement was, not done yet. You're not done yet. You're always learning and growing. Proverbs 24, verse 30. I went past the field of a sluggard, past the vineyard of someone who has no sense. Thorns had come up everywhere. The ground was covered with weeds and the stone wall was in ruins. Listen to this. I applied my heart to what I observed and learned a lesson from what I saw. Isn't that interesting? Like, even though that, that person was the lazy one, he, he's, he's applying his heart to this. He's, he's learning from that. You know what I hear from people a lot of times? Just got to sow my wild oats, right? Like, like I got to make my own mistakes in life. No, you don't have to. You don't have to make your own mistakes. You don't need to walk down the path of the sluggard. You don't need to be lazy. You need to, you need to learn from the people who have made those mistakes. Listen, with the youth, how about Alicia? I share my mistakes. I said, listen, I messed up. This is not how you should have lived. That's, my, that's the way you shouldn't live. Here's the way you should live. I want them to learn from that. I don't want them to go down the same paths that I messed up and I tripped up. No, they need to apply their heart to that. And they need to recognize, like, I need to learn from this. I need to listen. You know, what's crazy is the fact of these two words, Jesus grew. Jesus grew. Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and in favor with man. Jesus grew in wisdom. How much more do we need to grow in wisdom? I mean, I don't care how old you are. I don't care how young you are. You need to grow. You need to learn. You need to continue to learn. And you know what used to surprise me is uh, people who have like their doctorates and stuff, I'd be like, you already have that job. Why do you need to like continue your education? Because they continue learning. I'm so glad that our pastor, Pastor Don Immel, uh, our superintendent for the Pendel District, he just got his doctorate. He's now Dr. Don Immel. Because he continues to learn, he continues to plow in and, and, and read this book and continue to dig into what God has. And I don't care what your work is, you can always do it better. You can always move forward you can always learn something else. You can always grow, just like Dr. Pohl sticking his hand up the backside of a cow. He's still learning. He's still. There was one episode where he's like, wow, I haven't seen this before. It was like a little hedgehog. It was like this big. It's like, I haven't seen this before. So he's going to learn. He looked it up. He figured it out. You know, it takes humility to learn and grow. To admit that maybe you don't know everything. I think that's something that we need to hear in our culture. Listen, I don't know what the next step is. I don't know always what the right step is. Pastor Aaron doesn't either. You don't. You have to at least be humble enough to go, you know what, I think I need some more information. I think I need to learn something else here. I think there's something that God wants to do that's bigger than me. You know, I just see pride, arrogance. Like, we've got the answer, right? See, Jesus listened. Jesus listened to the teachers. He grew in wisdom. Here's the last verse I want to give you. It's Proverbs 25, 2. It is to the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search out a matter is the glory of kings. You're the kings. 
You're the king. You search out a matter. You see, there are lots of things that have been uh, concealed. God has put it in the fabric of creation. That's why we shouldn't be afraid of science. In fact, all it does is show that God is even bigger than we thought he was. He's even more capable than we thought he was. We shouldn't be afraid of intellect, of knowledge, of growing in some things that we don't know yet. I've learned a lot this season about a lot of things. You know what I've learned a lot about? Myself. We need to be willing to learn a little bit more about ourselves. That's why this book, as we've been digging into these Proverbs, I just feel like it's doing surgery on my heart. And I'm going, oh man, that hurt a little bit. <laughs> oh man, I need, to, I need to step it up. You know, and don't think just because of what we're going through, you can't grow. I remember my daughter here this spring. She's in, she was in first grade. So we're doing this homeschool thing, and, and that's all well and good. We're trying our best. There'd be tears every morning. She'd struggle with her extra math. And she's a, she's a smart cookie, but she was struggling, and we didn't know how to do, do it. We just didn't know how. We were frustrated, and that's not the teacher's fault. I know that if she was in a classroom, she would certainly be, be like, getting this information. And I just kept wondering, like, is this worth it? Like, why, why are we continuing to do this? And and uh, feeling like my work, the things that we were doing was not enough. And so I just decided one day, scrap it. We're going to go outside and we're going we're gonna to work in the mulch pile. <laughs> I had like loads of mulch delivered to the house. And our whole family, my son, Gray, four years old, my daughter, Eden, seven years old, my wife, you know, we were doing backbreaking work of putting mulch all around the house. And I had asked my daughter, I said, can you rake up some of the extra grass? And uh, her rake is like this big. <laughs> and I just watched, though, as that little girl out there, just, that little rake just raking and raking and raking. By the end of the day, my daughter had raked up the entire yard. And it hit me. Like, what am I doing? Why am I so concerned? She's learning. She's growing. You can learn and grow in this season. And, and I just had that proud father moment of going, that's my girl. That's my girl. Good job, honey. I am so amazed. And yeah, she got paid a little bit too for it. That always helps. But she begins to understand what it looks like to earn something, to work for it, to be diligent, to be responsible. And that's, that's what we need. So these three questions from those three things. Number one, are you taking responsibility for your own life and your own affairs? Have you been digging into somebody else's life and their affairs, or are you taking responsibility for yourself and your actions? Number two, do you have a rhythm of grace? What are some of the areas that you need to shift around a little bit and think, I need some margin here. Look, the work's still going to be there when you get back. <laughs> you, you, just, you do what God's calling you to do. That's why the Sabbath is so important. And number three, are you learning and growing? Are you reading a new book? 
Are you learning a new trade? Are you learning a new skill? I know so many people in this, in this season, like uh, they, they picked up a guitar and started learning the guitar. And they, you know, while they're at home, they're not, they're not sitting, idle hands are the devil's workshop. You need to be working. And I need to tell somebody here today, God, God sees you. God sees the work that you've put in. It's just like me telling my daughter, good job, honey. Good job. Somebody needs to hear that today. God is saying to you, good job. Don't grow weary in doing good. Good job. Keep it up. You can do this. Let's finish this yard. Now, with this message, I want to be very clear about something. Very clear. You can earn a living, but you can't earn salvation. I don't want you to come away from a message like this and think, well, Chris said, I got to do all these things to please God. No, the only thing that pleases him is faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. You see, you don't earn your salvation. That's why it's a gift. You can work all day, every day. You can hold up that banner and be like, look how hard I'm working. And God will still say, yeah, but your heart is far from me. And so I want to encourage you, and maybe there's somebody that's watching online right now that you have been working your butt off. You have been trying so hard to please God. You feel like it's not enough. Listen, if you tried to do all the steps to become holy or become perfect or to do all those things, you would have failed. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. You can't earn that. That only comes by faith. And so I want to pray for you here this morning that some of you may be in that boat here today. I don't want you to come away from this and Chris said, I have to work harder. That's not what I'm saying. Chris said that God has given you responsibility, given you rest giving you the opportunity to learn and to grow. But more than that, he's given you salvation. He's given you eternity with him in a perfect state, doing exactly what you love to do. You know that thing that fires off in your mind when you do it and you go, that felt good. That's God. That's going, God, I, got, God, God, I implanted that in you. I created you for that. So I want to pray for you here this morning. For those of you that, that may be far from God in this moment, for those of you that, that have been trying to earn your salvation, right now is your moment. Right now is your moment. Okay, don't miss this. Would you all bow your heads and just close your eyes? I want to pray for you. And in this moment, express the faith that you have in your heart. God sees you. He loves you and say that with certainty here today. Father, we thank you, Lord, that we can come together as the people of God. God, I thank you, Lord, for the people that are represented online right now. I thank you, Lord, that, that you can reach and touch every need. But I also thank you, Lord, that you give us provision through our projects. God, that there are things that you have made us capable of doing. You have given us abilities. You have given us materials, God. You've given us work, Lord, that we're able to earn a living and we're able to help those that are in need. And so God, today, 
we thank you, Lord, for the work you did on the cross. That we don't need to earn our salvation, that the, the price has been paid. Our sins are forgiven. Eternity is ours. In Jesus' name. God, for the person right now who is feeling the weight and the burden of the stress that they've been going through, God, I pray, Lord, that you would give them rest deep into their soul. God, I pray that this Sabbath would be a better Sabbath than they've ever had before. God, for those, Lord, that, that have become stagnant in their walk, God, I pray, Lord, that they would have the urgency to grow and to move forward in the things that you have for them. If there's breath still in our bodies, Lord, there's work still to be done. God, when, when you see our lives, when you open up the book of our lives, would you see the expectation, the vision, the drive, the excitement that we have, Lord, for the things that you have? God, I pray, Lord, that we would receive, receive in this moment the eternity, Lord, that you have for us. God, we thank you for all these things. And it's in your precious name, Jesus, we pray. Everybody said, amen. Amen. Let's just put our hands together this morning for the Lord.